Good morning, Harvest. How are you? It's good. The leadership at this church made a decision a couple of months ago to do a series on prayer. And let's look at prayers in Scripture in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And let's set our hearts on those. If those have been a blessing to you and they've been an encouragement to you, would you say amen? Amen. What a, what a great thing to be a part of a church that's setting some time to focus on prayer, to not just talk about it, but to say, how can we practice this better? How can we actually do this? We, um, if you don't know who I am, my name is Eric, and I was one of the pastors here for about four and a half, five years. And two months ago, this church prayed over us and our team and is sending us out to start a new church in Fremont. I had somebody catch, us, catch me this morning and say, you know somebody's from Fremont here in the service when they're wearing that black shirt with a little white box around it, or if they're wearing flannel. And that is highly offensive. I just want to say, we do, not, we do not appreciate that kind of talk. And we have several families here from Fremont that are visiting, and we're excited to start our new work. You, as a church, took an offering for our ministry. And so just to update you, the monies that came in in that over the last couple of weeks totaled $120,000. And we, um, we want you to know that, first of all, we're very thankful for that. That is um, plenty of money to start up our new ministry. And so all that money is being used for that. And we um, also want you to know we're trying our best to steward that well. And so we've been spending the last couple of weeks Amazon priming, finding deals, and getting things ready for our children's classrooms and worship and things. Several of you have asked, so how are things going in Fremont? And you've um, kind of wanted to be in the loop on some things in our church. And so I took out my phone and I downloaded about 20 photos to dump on you today so you can understand what things have been happening up in Fremont. And so here they are. First of all, we use some of your resources to retrofit our office space. We're very thankful for the space that God's brought us and the rental there. And we've been purchasing items, getting things ready for the church. We have been opening boxes like it's our job, killing cardboard like it's our job, because literally it has been our job the last couple of months. And it's been exciting to get some of our equipment in, even this week. We obviously bought bumper stickers. How do you even run a church without bumper stickers? <laughs> That's the one thing I'm taking away from Harvest Spring Lake. We have been able to start retrofitting our church and our uh, worship center is coming together. It's a rented space, but the building has been very gracious to how we use it. God has brought really an incredible group of men and women who are talented and have been working in the building, helping things get ready for our first services. We're excited. Our first service starts December 2nd, which is in seven weeks, and we're excited for that, so please pray for it. One of the things that has marked this season in our ministry is prayer. And so there have been many meetings where we've prayed and dedicated our building and we've dedicated our core team and you've prayed over us. North Michigan has prayed over us. And there's been a lot of prayer in this season. We prayed in Fremont on Tuesday and about 40 of us gathered to just pray for revival in this town. And we're praying that the Lord moves in that. Um, we've had ministries that have joined with us and there have been people that were driving like in Spring Lake, 30, 40, an hour away to get to church. And there have been um, people that have decided to join our core team and churches have been praying over them and sending them out. And so there's just been this really Holy Spirit-led tone of unity in some ministries. And we're really excited about how the Lord's worked in that. 
The dollars moved up about six weeks ago from Peoria and have been starting to lead with us. We visited Harvest North Muskegon a couple of times to lead worship and to preach. We've been to St. Joe Harvest, which is about two years old, and we've learned some of the things there in the ministry. We've been to Resonate Church. We've been to Redemption Church. We've been all over the place learning from other ministries, and it's been a good season for us while we've been traveling around. Aaron's been helping the worship team. He's been doing one-on-one meetings with them and developing a culture of worship and meeting people. We've started small group training with some couples that God has brought to us. God has really just landed some really special couples in our church, and we're excited to launch small groups sooner than later. Our core team has been growing currently with kids and teenagers. There's about 120 of us. It's a small church already, and we're really excited to see the new families that are even joining this month, our core team. Our kids have been adapting to the community. They've been meeting friends. Um, We've been running 5Ks. We joined the parade in town. How do you not join the parade that's called the Harvest Parade? (laughs) Our church has to be in that, right? We, uh, we've had the basin flood in our house a couple of times. My, we've learned farming. We've also learned horses. We've, we're learning horses and figuring out those types of things. My daughter's ears were pierced a couple of days ago. That was a milestone for our family, a big day for us. It's been a really, really incredible season that we're in, and we're church planning. One of the heartbeats that I had was when we do this, We don't want to be stressed and frazzled and there's a lot of crazy things happening. We hope that this is a season marked by joy and that one day our kids will look back and go, yeah, I would like to church plant and not think never in a million years. And joy has been really present in this whole season for us. And part of that is due to your prayer. You're praying that the Holy Spirit moves, that um, Satan is not attacking us, that There will be discretion and wisdom and guidance and all of those things. And we just want to thank you for that. You've been a cheerleader for us. The word is out that our church is in town. And many of that is many conversations have happened with this church among friends and things. We just want to say thank you. It's been a great season for us. And we're excited to start our church in seven weeks. We do want visitors. um, But I would say this. If everybody here came and visited us on December 2nd, we are in trouble. So... (laughs) Please visit our church and then try to avoid the first week if you can. Also, Cal and Dave would be irritated if, his, if the whole church here was there on December 2nd. So come and visit us and try to do that not on just one day. So coordinate that somehow. If you would, would you turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings 3? And if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers want to give one to you. You're going to want one today because we're going to be in three chapters and we're going to look at about 20 or 30 verses. And so you'll want to do the best you can to follow us along if possible. 1 Kings 3. And we're going to look at verse um, number 3 to start us off. So this is an interesting prayer. It's a prayer made in the life of Solomon. So today we're going to talk about what it looks like to pray specifically for wisdom. How does that apply in our life and how can we see that in the life of Solomon? So in 1 Kings 3, we'll look at verse number 3. It says this, Solomon loved the Lord. Those are four good words for Solomon. To be able to say that Solomon was a man that loved the Lord, what an incredible way to start off this story. He was walking in the statutes of David, his father, and only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high place. So for whatever reason, the Bible points out that Solomon, the king who took over after his father, David, 
is the only one that's making sacrifices to the Lord. There's this real intentional verse. He's the one that's offering to the Lord. He's the one that's honoring him. It says this in verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you've shown great and steadfast love to your servant and my father. God, you've been so good to me and my family. You've been so, you've blessed us beyond measure. You've kept from him this great and steadfast love and you've given him a son, me, to sit on his throne this day. Verse 7. And now, O Lord my God, you've made your servant king in place of David my father. And look at the humility in his voice. He told God, Although I am but a little child, I don't even know how to go out or to come in. In verse 8 he says, And you've given me a great people to steward. I'm supposed to be the king of these people? Will you give your servant therefore, verse 9, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this, your great people. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said, because you've asked this and you've not asked for yourself, you could have asked for long life. You could have said, will you allow me to live 300 years? You didn't ask for that. You could have asked for riches. You didn't ask for wealth. You could have asked for the life of your enemies. God, will you give your kingdom a season of peace? While I'm the king, will you, will you wipe out my enemies so we can live at peace? You didn't ask for any of those things. In this moment, when you can ask for anything, you ask for wisdom. And then God goes on to say in verse 12, I give you a wise and a discerning heart so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you've not asked. I'm going to give you riches and honor so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. There are lessons to learn today from the life of Solomon. Here's the first one. I can absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, have God's wisdom. You might say to yourself, wow, what a prayer. Man, what an incredible thing. What a, what a, what a moment in Solomon's life to say, God, will you give me wisdom? I wonder if God would ever do that for me. We, like Solomon, have the opportunity to have unprecedented wisdom. The Bible says that you can have wisdom today just like Solomon. James 1.5 If any of you lack wisdom, if any of you ask of God, he's going to give generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. We see in this moment a miraculous appointment Solomon has set up to have unprecedented wisdom. And that is not wisdom that you and I cannot have today. We, like Solomon, can absolutely possess the same pile of wisdom that he has. Would you turn with me to 1 Kings 11? So turn over a few pages and we're going to look a little bit more into Solomon's life. It says this in 1 Kings 11 verse 1. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. What a contrast. I mean, eight chapters ago it said he loved the Lord and now he loves many foreign women? 
along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Amorite, Edomite, Sidian, and the Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them. And he said, I'm going to do it anyway. Verse 2 ends with this. Solomon clung to these women in love. Verse 3, he had 700 wives. Why would you do that? (laughs) They were princesses and 300 concubines and his wives turned away his heart. Verse 6, So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab. God is so anti-Chemosh that he doesn't say he was a god. He says he was the abomination. And Melech, the abomination of the Ammonites on the mountain of the east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all of his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrificed to their gods. Verse 9, And the Lord was angry with Solomon. Here's the second thing for us to learn today. I can absolutely have God's wisdom. Number two, I can absolutely waste God's wisdom. Just as quickly as God can give you unprecedented wisdom, we can squander it, we can waste it, we can throw it out the window. And we see in Solomon's life this miraculous appointment become a massive disappointment. His entire testimony turned to regret. Raise your hands if, as a teenager, you made some mistakes and you would say, yeah, as a teenager, I did some kind of dumb things. I did. Would you raise your hand with me if you, raise your hand if you've got teenagers in the room with you and you're like, oh yeah, they're making currently some really dumb mistakes. Okay, you're with me. I sat down this week on Tuesday. I just started writing down some stupid things I had done. My parents are here. They can testify to most of this. I once super glued my tooth back on. I want to look appropriate. I ran a lawn tractor into the side of a Thunderbird, but it was a piece of junk, so it was okay. I tipped over a Harley Davidson once. Those things are heavy. If you didn't know, as a nine-year-old, I tipped over one. I flattened the tire on a Kubota tractor. Once at teen camp to prank my youth leader, I painted his toenails pink with nail polish, and then I said, well, I'll do some hearts on his eyeglasses, thinking the paint would flake off. It did not flake off. I almost chopped the tail off my dog. I flooded a swimming pool once. I wore pink shorts to a pool party. Totally did that. I got a ticket for blowing a stoplight. I got a ticket for speeding. I got a ticket once for speeding while blowing a stoplight without my driver's license. I totally got handcuffed for that. (laughs) I let David Arnouts drive my moped and somehow he flipped a moped. How do you even do that? He did it. He's sitting right there, by the way. I didn't know you were going to be here. Welcome to Harvest. I hope you like it here. (laughs) While two-tracking once, I slammed into a tree. Were you there for that? I think you were there for that. (laughs) I was showing off with friends once, and I got my car stuck in a ditch. I spun out one winter for fun in my car, and Chad rear-ended the back of it. I went to a Point of Grace concert. I just have to say that out loud. I'm really, I regret that. I thought about it dating a girl from Iowa once. True story. I almost dated a girl from Iowa. And I was the good kid. 
If I had a microphone here today and I said, hey, let's talk about regrets, I think we could spend the rest of this service talking about mistakes that we've made, disappointments we've made, how we've done foolish things in our past. On a way more serious note, I could say in front of a microphone, God, uh, I would have to admit, I spent 30 years chasing religion more than a relationship with you. I think many of you could say, my kids are out of the house now, and I was way, way too hard on them. My kids are out of the house now, and I was way, way too soft on them. There was a sure investment. Somebody said, put some money here, and I'm like, I don't know, and I put money there, and then it went sideways. I, I was in a relationship, and I did some really stupid things, and that relationship is done. I regret that. I think all of us can say, we absolutely can look back at our lives and say that we have some regrets. And here's the awesome thing about God's grace. We can't go back in time and change anything. We can't go back in time and rearrange history. But by God's grace, he's allowing us to wrap our arms around wisdom and press on for the future. We don't get to decide the day we're born. We don't get to decide the day that we die. But there's this dash in the middle, this life that by God's grace, he gives us the ability to hold on to. And we can wrap our arms around wisdom and not just have it, but to have it and use it to the point where we live a life that's without regrets. Here's the big idea today. I know some of you are freaking out because I just jumped right over it. God's wisdom applied. That's the word. God's wisdom applied is the key to avoiding a life of regret. Did Solomon have wisdom? Absolutely. Did he apply it? No, he did not. For the majority of his life. And if you want to look back at your legacy, your life, and say, God, by his grace, there was, there was good seasons there of growth and wisdom, his wisdom must not only be, ha you must not only have it in your hands, but it must be applied. Let's talk about this today, reasons. These little reasons that we have for throwing wisdom out the window. What's that thing that trips us up? Here's the first one, love. Absolutely, love is a reason that we often use to throw wisdom out the window. The Bible says in, in verse number nine, and the Lord was angry with Solomon. Why? Because he clung to and loved women and not the Lord. If you're single today, I kind of want to sp talk specifically to you today. Would you underline verse nine of 1 Kings 11? W would you be able to set your heart as a single person and say, God, by your grace, I want to not make you angry when it comes to my union. I don't want to throw wisdom out the window just at the name of passion or in the name of love. Uh, here's a commitment you can make if you're single. If you have kids in your house that hope to be married one day, here's a great commitment to make. I am not going to date, get engaged to, or marry an unbeliever. If I'm a child of God and I've chosen the Lord to be my Savior and I've set my heart on that, God, by your grace, would you allow me to never date, be engaged to, or marry an unbeliever. Scripture is pointing at Solomon today. He didn't apply this to his life. Maybe he thought, I'll pull them in and they will worship my God, but that never, that never happened. They drug him down. 2 Corinthians 6.14, specifically when talking about marriage, 
is razor sharp. It says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? If you're a single in this room, would you commit to this? God, it's easy to say that passion is greater than wisdom. It's easy to say love is greater than wisdom. And it's easy to throw wisdom and discretion out the window in one night. God, would you allow me, would you give me the grace and the wisdom to not do that? Reasons why we throw love, reasons why we throw wisdom out the window? Number one, love, absolutely. Number two, pressure from people. Another reason we throw wisdom out the window is because we just feel some pressure from people. I think this plays out in two ways. As a teenager, you were all in situations where there was some peer pressure that you faced and you felt like you wanted to impress people. And maybe, maybe you even had a piece of paper one day and you wrote on it, do you like me, question mark, check, yes or no. Now, I don't want to jump to an assumption, but I'm assuming that some of you, some of you have done that. Today, we won't do that. I mean, we would never go to our boss and be like, check, yes or no, boss, do you like me, coworker? We, that's not our style today, but often we still have those same teenage-like tendencies to be concerned with peer pressure. And this is how you know it's playing out in your life. If you find yourself dressing to impress, if you find yourself acting a certain way, reacting a certain way, talking a certain way specifically to get people um, to notice you, if that pressure is a real thing, often window gets wisdom gets thrown out the window for that. Here's another way it plays out. I think sometimes maybe that's more of a thing for for men and dudes, maybe more for women uh, with a little bit more timid heart. I think sometimes women can feel pressure from others that's not even necessarily realistic. You might have found yourself getting ready for church one day and you're like, man, I don't know if I got the right outfit to wear. I don't know how my hair looks today. I don't know if my kids will look all a hot mess when I get to church. And people will look at me, certainly. And maybe I'll have to go to the cafe and talk to somebody. Like a real conversation. And you know what? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll not go to church today. Maybe that pressure, just that anxiety is festering. And you find yourself going, ah, I don't know if I can deal with that small group. I don't know if I can go there. I'll be asked some hard questions today. Pressure from people absolutely is the reason why we cast wisdom out the window. Here's another one, boredom. Boredom. If you would, would you turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and we need to look at kind of a third season in Solomon's life to understand this the best. Ecclesiastes 1 is um, really the recap of much of Solomon's life. If you've ever read Ecclesiastes before, maybe you've thought to yourself, this is a strange book of the Bible, and it is. It stands alone. It's by itself in many respects. And much of it is transparency, and it's Solomon's life on paper and many of the decisions that he made. In Ecclesiastes 1, verse 1, it says this, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. This is familiar to many of you. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Verse 12, I, the preacher, have been king of Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my heart to seek and to search out wisdom, all that is done under the sun. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. I've seen everything that is done under the sun. 
You, there's two phrases throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, two, two things that you hear over and over again. One of those is that word done under the sun. I, I've lived out my life, I've pursued a lot of things and the sun goes up and the sun goes down and another day is done and I'm looking for the next one and the sun goes up and the sun goes down. And you hear that phrase over and over and then you hear this word vanity. <clears throat> and when we think of vanity, we think of a really vain person, don't we? We think of a person that has never met a mirror they do not like. Every mirror is my friend. And <clears throat> sometimes when we think of vanity, and so we think of a, a very vain person, the root of this word is emptiness. What Solomon is not saying is the whole world is vain and it's uh, very diva-ish. He is saying this world is empty. I, I've seen the sun go up and the sun go down. The wind's going and the wind's coming and it's going and it's all this stuff is happening and this world is full of emptiness and in Solomon's voice you hear this tone of boredom. How many of you have ever been bored? If you'd be honest, you'd be like, man, I've been in a season where I'm totally bored, right? How many of you bored right now in this moment? Anybody hope not? Okay, I had somebody from Fremont raise their hand in the last service. Very disappointing that they had said that. At least this is what happens for me. If I find myself in this season of boredom, my mind immediately goes like, what's the next thing that I can do? Uh, all right, I gotta, it's Monday, it's my day off. Pastors take Mondays off with tattoo artists. That's the one thing we have in common. Except for Dan, there's a weird like collage of those two things in his life. And Mondays are my day off and sometimes I'm not busy and I'm looking for something to do, right? So I'm walking around the house like, what, what's my project? That played out in Solomon's life. Look at the acceleration. If you're in Ecclesiastes 1, let's look at the last part of the chapter. Verse 17. So I applied my heart out of boredom to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. And I perceived this also is but a striving after the wind. I'm a brainiac. I'm going to sit down with people and I'm going to talk to the most foolish people. I'm going to talk to the wisest people. I'm going to talk to the craziest people I can find on this planet and I'm going to study them. And he did that and he became an intellect. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. And how to lay hold on folly. I'm going to be the biggest drunk fool in the room. I'm going to be the most foolish. And I'm going to stretch the limits as a party animal. I'm going to make Hugh Hefner look like a lightweight. And I'm going to push all of these boundaries of pleasure. More wives, more alcohol. Phase three, verse four. I then made great works. I built houses and then I planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks. I planted them in all I planted them with all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools for which to water the forests of growing trees. And so now he hits this like innovation construction season in his life, where as a king, he's taking in resources to build an incredible house that was bigger than the house of the Lord to build gardens, to set up a sprinkling system for his gardens to show off his newfound ability. It goes on to say he had great herds and flocks. Verse 8, I gathered to myself silver and gold. I started to collect as much wealth as I could. 
I then dabbled in the music industry. I got singers um, to perform for me. And he gave his heart to music like his father David had done. Verse 9, I became great. I surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me the whole time. Verse 11, then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expanded in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Here's the next thing we see. What makes us just throw wisdom out the window? Number three, number four, rather, my new pursuit. This new hobby, I discovered it a month ago. Uh, this new car that I'm renovating, this new house project, uh, th this new um, thing that I've set my heart on, this new season where I'm trying to get a 4.0 grade in school, it's becoming my identity. It's consuming me. And I've set my heart on this thing often in those seasons. We just cast wisdom out the window because our pursuit has become so important to us. My career change, my, how I'm studying and incorporating my knowledge into my career and into homeschooling my kids or whatever it is, it becomes all-consuming. And often we see wisdom cast away in the name of our new hobby. Number five, the changes of life. Solomon would say this, the wise and the fool, they both die. They're all forgotten. Chapter three says, everything, there's a season, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what's planted, a time to kill and a time to heal. Life changes and flips over. And in Solomon's life, he saw with every change, an opportunity to wrap his arms around wisdom or to cast what God had given him away and he would throw it out the window time and time again under the sun. Counting his days, he took a million breaths in and out and construction was his God and he set his heart on that. And then gardening was his God. For us, it's graduating from high school and that's the thing that I'm pursuing and a wedding day one day and then oh maybe we'll have kids and then God oh, what about grandkids and we're setting our hearts and putting too much attention on that and then our hobby and then our career and then we're setting our hearts on retirement and everything is that end game of retirement the sun goes up and the sun goes down and so much of it is vanity so much of it is empty here's my prayer today that as you land in your small group this week you'll look at that list and be like, that's it. Every time I just throw wisdom out the window, it's because I'm tripping over this thing. Every time I just see myself do the most foolish things that I regret, it's because I'm tripping there. Then I hope that you can say, by God's grace and with the word of God, here's something that I'm going to do about it this week. So let's talk about this, five ways that we can draw closer to God's wisdom today. Not just wisdom, but God's wisdom Let's talk about something that we can do this week to draw closer to God's wisdom so we're not just throwing it to the side. Number one, we can do this. Pray for wisdom, not wants. In 1 Kings 3.9, you could call it the highlight of Solomon's life. He said, give your servant an understanding mind to govern your people that I may be discerned between good and evil for who is able to govern this, your great people. 
That's what I love about the Bible. It doesn't whitewash anything. It shows you the warts and all, right? And in the Bible, over and over again, you see men that got things right most of the time, and they had wisdom that they held on to, like uh, Joshua in Scripture or Joseph in Scripture, right? And then you see people that get things right like half of the time. Think Peter, kind of always floundering. Really good intentions, very poor follow-through sometimes. And then you got men like Solomon, who made the right decisions rarely. And maybe you would find yourself here, you're like, man, it just seems like I'm rarely making the right decisions. I'm constantly falling on my face. Um, here's something you can do today. Pray for God's wisdom. God, would you allow me to have more wisdom? He wants to give it to you. James 1.5, if any of you, anyone in this room that's pursuing the Lord lacks wisdom, let him ask God. He wants to give you generously without reproach. He's not backhanding you here with wisdom. He's giving it to you generously if you want it. And if you're like, man, I keep rarely making the right choices, and it's like Solomon's life is exactly a parallel to how I'm living, God wants to give you wisdom today to change. You can't move the past, but you can move the future, and God wants to give you that today. Number two, what can you do to grab a hold of more wisdom and to draw closer to God's wisdom, you can do this today. Continually attack compromises. Continually set your heart on the small compromises in your life. One day Solomon said, well, I'll just gain this new wife. She's not from a country that the Lord approves from, but that's what I'm going to do anyway. And that compromise overwhelmed him. Psalms 119 verse 11 says this, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Why are we taking a hold of wisdom? Why are we grabbing it and making sure it's a part of our life, something we don't throw out the window? Because we're trying to fight off sin. We're trying to be in the place where sin does not consume us in these small compromises. It's not flashy. These small compromises need to die. And for each and every one of us, they're different. And what's sin to one person is not sin sometimes to another. And many of us need to land in our small groups and in our community of people saying out loud, this thing has not been a stumbling block in my life for 10 years, but it is a stumbling block today. And it is causing me to sin and it's becoming an issue. And this small compromise is a problem. Guys, can you ask me about this? Women, can you ask me about this? Because I want to attack this thing. I don't want this to grow out of proportion. Solomon had no idea that his small issues would get him to the place where he's penning Ecclesiastes. But it did because he stopped fighting the small battles. And we need to be engaged in them, attack compromises when we see them, and be quick to do so. A foolish man says, I've got everything together. I don't need to fight this off. It's not going to be an issue. A wise man says, by God's grace, I'm going to memorize God's word because I want to fight off sin. Number three, what can we do today to draw closer to God's wisdom, search for, and memorize wisdom? Search for it, look for it, and memorize it. <clears throat> this is a great passage of scripture. Proverbs 2, verses 2 through 6 says this, Making your ear attentive to wisdom 
and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. I love how this passage starts. I want my ears to be attentive to wisdom. Why? Because it has high value above silver, above treasure. If you've ever gotten a new car, maybe you've thought to yourself, why is it I see that same brand of car now all over the place? I mean, I never even noticed Chevy Impalas, but now everybody's driving a Chevy Impala, and it's like you see them all over, and you almost want to wave to them. That's weird. Don't do that. Um, and, and maybe you've thought to yourself, man, it's just they're always popping up now. God wants us to do that with wisdom. God, would you allow me to see wisdom? Would you help me to search for it? Would you help my ear to hear it as it's said and to value it and grab a hold of it? Because it's there. It's available to us. And sometimes we're just not wrapping our arms around it like we should. So I, would just, I just want to give you a couple of really practical little things that you can do. I just don't want to say, search for wisdom. What does it mean to search for wisdom? And so here's just four little things that you could do this week. If you're like, God, I'm all in. I need more wisdom. I'm, I'm sick of regrets. I want less foolishness. I want to be a wiser man, a wiser woman for your glory. Here's four things you could do this week. Number one, read a chapter of Proverbs every day for a month. How many of you would say, I've done that in the past? For a month, I've read a chapter of Proverbs every day. Anybody has done that before? I'll tell you what, that'll change your view of wisdom. Bring a pen with you, underline some verses, and God will reveal some truth to you. Today is October 14th. You can start in Proverbs 14 today and start reading that and saying, God, would you show me wisdom? I don't want to just see it. God, I want to hear it. I want my ear to be inclined to it. I want to see it for what it is and start collecting it. Number two, read through Psalms 119 with a pen. What a great chapter of scripture that shows you where real wisdom and understanding comes from. It's the longest chapter in the Bible and it is packed with truth. Read through that chapter with a pen underlining something that God reveals to you. You could do that this week. If you're all in and you're like, God, I want to search for wisdom. I want to see it more for what it is. You could do this. Number three, you can memorize a verse on this list today. So when we develop these notes, we put passages of scripture on the notes specifically because we want it to be available to you. And maybe one of these verses stands out. We don't want you to have to hunt for it. It's right there. Maybe you would say, I need to memorize one of those verses today. You could do that this week. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's why we memorize scripture. So we don't, don't just have to talk and say fluffy things in the moment, but we can actually have daggers from God's word to fight our enemies. That's why we're trying to memorize passages of the Bible. And I hope that some of you would say, I gotta memorize one of these verses today. It's something I need to be equipped with. And then number four, this is a great one. You can do this this week. You can set this up in the next few days. Seek advice from godly and seasoned people. I'm using that word seasoned because I was trying to avoid the word old or older. So I'm trying to be sensitive there. Seek advice from somebody that's got some decades on you. You want some real wisdom? 
Get some people around you to speak some truth, to talk about the season that they went through that's like your season. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, people fall. But in the abundance of counselors, that's where safety is. There are two couples on our core team in Fremont that came up to us in the last few weeks. And they both told us at separate times, we have been praying for a long time that people would come to this town and then a church would be started just like yours. We have prayed for you to be here. And we're so thankful for you to be here. And both of them are snowbirds. And so they've just recently headed down to Florida and won't be there for the launch of our church, but they'll be praying for us. And one of the, one of the couples is flying back to be there. And they have been so um, incredible to our church, our core team. And um, it's just been a really cool season for me to meet somebody that's got 40 years of ministry on me. One of them's name is Vern, and Vern's a great guy who has really just been an encouragement to our people. And he has said things like, by the way, I'm not super fired up about this pose that I'm striking in this photo. I just got to say that out loud, but it's there. So um, Vern has told a few of our people, you know what? I, I've been on cruise control for the last 10 years and I'm done. I'm accelerating things towards the finish line and he's done with being on cruise control. And I've had conversations with him and he's just like dropping wisdom bombs on me. And then he'll say the craziest thing, and I'm like, Ugh, and then he drops wisdom bombs on me. And Vern's just this incredible man of God who's been, who's been such an encouragement to me in this season that I'm in personally. And he's been able to just like pray over us. I wish I could have dropped you in a room where he prayed for our family and another family on the core team with us. And what an encouragement he's been to me. You want wisdom? Are you all in? Do you want to search it out? Get around some people that have some decades on you and say, your kids struggled and I'm having an issue. Can we go out to lunch? I want to I talk through this with you. Can you give me some advice? Seek advice. Search for it. The Lord wants to hand it to you today, but he also asks for us to look for it. Number four, how can you grow in wisdom? Count your days Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. If we had senior citizens in this church, 60, 70, 80, 90 somethings telling you, giving you some advice, they would say things like this, remember your creator. While you still um, love your youth, before you get to the point where you say, I have no pleasure in my days anymore, I'm, I'm ready to be done, set your heart on the Lord Count your days. Psalms 90 verse 12 says this. Teach us, God, to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. God, would you help me to realize the frailty of life? Wisdom absolutely grows after you go to a few hospital visits where you realize how, how your body's failing you. Wisdom absolutely grows after you've been to a few funerals and you see the fact that life turns, the sun goes up and the sun goes down and people pass away. Wisdom absolutely grows through that. And that's something good for us to do. Say, God, how many days do I have left? Would you help me to honor you with them? Number five, what can you do to grow in your wisdom today? Live for the sun, not under the sun. Live for the sun, S-O-N, not under the sun. Matthew 12, 42 is on the screen. 
there's a story in scripture where men came to Jesus and said, we don't want to figure you out, weigh you out, figure out all of these things that are going on with this religion that you're pushing Jesus. Will you perform for us a miracle? Just show us a sign. Perform a quick trick, God. If you claim to be God, show us who you are. And in Matthew 12, 42, Jesus says this, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. A long time ago, a queen from Egypt came to Solomon. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. I'm not going to give you a quick trick and a miracle. I am here. I'm greater than Solomon. He had a few highlights in his life. I'm greater than a quick miracle. I'm greater than a solution to your want and your quick prayer that you just shoot out towards me. I'm greater than that. I'm greater than the graduation that you're setting your heart on. I'm, I'm greater than the wedding that you hope to have that's flawless one day. That day's going to, like the sun, be up and down. It's gone. I'm greater than the promotion that you're aiming for. I'm greater than the hobby you're pursuing. There's something greater here than being able to retire one day. If you possess Jesus, you have the greatest wisdom source the world can handle. And you have to ask yourself, Am I living for the sun? For it to go up and come down and get to that next day and breathe in and breathe out a million times and be finished? Or am I living for the sun? Am I living for my pursuit? Casting wisdom aside for it. Or am I living with wisdom that only comes from the Son of God, Jesus Christ? God, would you help us as a people to walk with more wisdom? God, would you help us to be people that are not just following the wind, but following the power of the Holy Spirit? That's our prayer. That's a prayer that we can be praying this week. And let's do that. Let's pray together. God, we pray that you would help us to be less foolish. And so, God, that means we're asking that you would help us to be less led by ourselves and that we'd be more spirit-led. God, I know that makes some people in this room funny to think about being Holy Spirit-filled, but there's too much scripture to ignore that. And God, we pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would move in our hearts and in our lives. It's so easy to set our heart on a thing, a quick project, something that just is distracting to us in the moment. And God, in those moments, it seems like we do the most foolish things and wisdom gets just cast aside. God, we pray that we would be wise people. Not just so we can figure things out and make more money at our job and to have a business that thrives and expands and kids that are smart and do well in school. God, we don't pray for just the opportunity to figure things out, God. We pray for real wisdom that comes from the Son of God. God, we have something great here. If we have a saving knowledge of Jesus, we have the greatest thing that we can possess and it's greater than all the little gods that we have a tendency to worship. God, would you help us to tear down those idols so we can lift you high for who you are. 
God, I pray that this week we would be a church body that as a whole is walking in wisdom, walking in discretion, and that we're pursuing you with our lives this week. We pray that in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Yes.